Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications. My name is Peter Rowlett. This is episode 41. 41 is prime, and is the smallest non-palindromic prime, which, on subtracting its reverse, gives a perfect cube. This week on the podcast, in part one of two, uh, Professor Ed Gallier of the University of Greenwich uh, talks about his career. Now, in podcast 33, we learned a little about magnetohydrodynamics uh, from David Fern. This is something that Ed has studied throughout his career, uh, and this week he begins to tell us some of the areas it has taken him to. I'm Professor Ed Gallier. I'm the director of the Fire Safety Engineering Group at the University of Greenwich. Uh, I started my career in mathematics um, by um, undertaking a joint science mathematics degree at uh, the Monash University in, in Australia, uh, where I graduated with joint uh, joint masters, just sorry, joint honours in uh, in mathematics and physics. Uh, from there, I moved on to Newcastle University in Australia and did a PhD in astrophysics. My interest at the time was magnetohydrodynamics and looking at how uh, magnetic fields interacted with the um, fluid process inside stars and trying to predict um, both the birth of stars, the death of stars and the life cycle and looking at how the magnetic fields interacted with the, with the fluid dynamics. Uh, when I graduated with, with my PhD, uh, I went into, into industry in Australia working for Australia's largest company, BHP, um, and I was working as an industrial mathematician on a, a range of projects, which were, were really quite interesting projects. One, my major project was to do with uh, um, how steel is is formed and made. Uh, I was looking at the what's known as the continuous casting process, and what we were doing there is developing mathematical models to predict um, the uh, how how this, the the molten metal solidified, how rapidly you could extract the metal from the continuous caster. Uh, trying to optimise the system. And that involved, again, actually a lot of my astrophysics work it involved uh, magnetohydrodynamics because it involved a lot of computational fluid dynamics work looking at uh, how the molten metal um, solidified. Uh, but also we were using um, electromagnetic stirring. So we would pass big magnetic fields, large strong magnetic fields through the molten metal to help stir the, uh, the uh, 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 molten metal up inside the uh, solidifying core uh, trying to produce better properties in the steel. And so it basically used all of my magnetohydrodynamics from astrophysics looking at a very terrestrial problem looking at how steel was made and optimising the steel process. Um, and that work was very successful. They went on to build a pilot plant based on the modelling work that we, we, we did and then they turned that into a full-scale production facility. Um, I also looked at uh, other problems. Um, one was uh, uh, to do with um, the rolling process, when you have billets of steel coming out and they roll them in, in various directions to create ingots. Uh, every time you roll the molten metal, it's like uh, plasticine. It sort of bulges out at the sides. And then they've got to cut them off uh, to give you a nice uh, rectangular billet. And, but every time you cut something off, you, you waste bits of uh, steel that you've produced. And so they wanted me to come up with a, 
uh, optimization to the rolling process, how many times do you roll it longitudinally and, and, and laterally, so that you could minimize the amount of wastage that, that you have. And so we developed a model to, to do that. Um, another interesting project was looking at um, uh, uh, railway sleepers. Uh, the Australian steel industry wanted to find lots of other applications of steel, and they thought, well, railway sleepers are usually made out of wood or concrete. What if we made them out of steel? And, and they did start making them out of steel, but there was some problems with the way the steel sleepers would, um, would move in the ballast as the trains went over them. And so we developed the mathematical model to predict the movement uh, of the sleepers um, and to, 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 to try and uncover what the main problem was in terms of the, uh, the, the degree of movement. And again, that was very successful, and we, we, we solved the problem of why the things were moving so, so much, and they, and they now use steel sleepers all over the world. Um, from there, I actually came over to the UK uh, because I wanted to continue work in astrophysics, and I came over to St Andrews University in Scotland uh, as a postdoc, and I was working on um, problems to do with the sun, looking at sunspots. And again, that was magnetohydrodynamics, looking at the fluid process and the interaction of strong magnetic fields. Um, and, and then from there I ended up where I am now at the University of Greenwich, uh, which was Thames Polytechnic at the time, and I've been here for the last 20-odd uh, years. And what I do at Greenwich is um, uh, a fascinating application of mathematics. Uh, it's, it's to do with fire safety engineering. And what we do is we develop um, computational models to predict how fire in structures spreads and how people subjected to fire behave. So it's two different types of models that we're developing. And if I talk about the fire modelling for a start, the, the, the thing that got me interested in the, in the fire modelling area was actually the Manchester Boeing um, 737 fire, the fire at Manchester Airport in 1985. This was a plane that was taxiing to take off a fire broke out in one of the engines and quickly spread to the um, main fuselage of the aircraft and 55 people died during the evacuation. So 55 people were killed. And, and this absolutely staggered me. How could 55 people die in an aircraft that hadn't even taken off, it was taxiing on the ground, and fire broke out and they couldn't get out? So I started work developing uh, at the University of Greenwich uh, computational fluid dynamics models to predict how fire spreads. At the end of the day, fire is a fluid process. And so you can use computational fluid dynamics to predict how fire spreads in structures. And so the project I had was to look at, could we predict how the fire had spread from the engine to the fuselage? And why did it spread so rapidly through the aircraft? And could we, uh, could we uh, um, predict some of the behaviors that some of the survivors had noted of, of, of the fire spread. Again, this may sound completely unrelated to magnetohydrodynamics, uh, but in fact, again, it's the same process. So I used the, uh, the material, uh, the, 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 um, my studies, both in my first degree, which was a lot of modeling work and computational fluid dynamics, and my PhD, which was magnetohydrodynamics, and I applied it to fire, which is, as I said, a fluid process. So I could use the computational fluid dynamics to predict how the fire spread. And so we developed one of the first models um, using computational fluid dynamics in a uh, complex structure. So it wasn't simply a rectangular box like a room. 
it was a curved geometry. The aircraft fuselage was curved, uh, which makes a lot of the um, mathematics a lot more complicated. The fact that you haven't got a rectangular structure, and there was lots of complications, and there were lots of obstructions inside the uh, geometry. There were seats, uh, for example, and we developed a computer model, um, which accurately predicted the um, the behaviour of the fire. That was a three-year project, and. At the end of the three years, I was quite satisfied that we understood how the fire had spread through this aircraft and, and why um, it spread so rapidly. But then the next question was, well, why did 55 people die? Explaining how fast the fire spread really only gave us half, um, if you like, it solved half the problem. The other half of the problem is why did so many people perish? Why couldn't they get out? And so I started thinking about could we develop a mathematical model that would predict the movement of people, how people would move in the aircraft, but also how people behave. Um, I went through some of the uh, interviews of survivors of the Manchester fire, and it was interesting that some people remained frozen in their seats. They didn't move. Um, some people started jumping over seats. Some people were waiting patiently in queues in the aisles, waiting to get out. Some people were crawling on the floor to avoid the, the hot gases. So I thought, could we predict both the behaviour of people and also the movement of people? And if we could do that, um, we could then link that to the fire in some way and then have a true prediction of these, this very complex environment. And so we started work on developing the concept of the human behaviour evacuation model. Um, and, and that all of that work essentially developed into uh, this modelling tool that we've developed called Exodus, which predicts human behaviour in evacuation. So the, um, we developed what's what we call Air Exodus, which was the aircraft version of our software, which basically predicted how people evacuated from the aircraft. Right, I'll uh, break in there. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to that so far. In part two next week, uh, you can hear Ed talking more about crowd evacuation modelling. Okay, you can find uh, links to all previous episodes of the podcast and show notes relating to each episode by going to the podcast website at www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can find out more about my work with the IMA uh, by following me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Peter Rowlett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T. Thank you for listening.